Hello and welcome to the Place to Place podcast. I'm Claire Dewhurst, the director of City Nation Place, which is the forum for place brands and place marketing. The idea behind this podcast series is to create a chain of conversations between place branding leaders to give you the opportunity to listen in to honest conversations about their challenges, the solutions they're finding, and the opportunities they're exploring to ensure that their place brand strategies deliver real economic benefits. We're really thrilled that you've chosen to tune in and I hope you enjoy the discussions. So welcome back, everyone. This is episode 13, and I'm delighted that we have with us again Clarice Berthold, who is the Chief Executive Officer for Helsinki Partners. Welcome back, Clarice. And Clarice has asked to chat with Brad Dean. Brad is the Chief Executive of Discover Puerto Rico. So I'm looking forward to this conversation linking to quite different places. I'm looking forward to seeing where it takes us. Over to you, Clarice. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. And, and hello, Brad. Nice to meet you. Delighted to join you. You might be wondering why we definitely wanted to talk to you in Puerto Rico from Helsinki, where we have about 60 centimeters of snow right now. Maybe it's because, you know, I wanted you to give me some sunshine here in the middle of winter, but, but also because we were so curious about not only Puerto Rico, but also you as a person you know, your background and the things you have been doing and and also the fact that we feel that there's something in common maybe between Helsinki and, and Puerto Rico, maybe our relationships to nature and how we focus on nature. But, you know, so those are kind of the themes or the reasons why we wanted to talk to you. But my first question, have you ever been to the Nordics, to any of the northern countries of Europe? You know, I have not. It is on the top of my bucket list. And especially knowing I have a heritage in my family in the Nordic, it's always been a, a, a destination that I aspire to go to. And you mentioned something really interesting because as much as you know, we have different weather patterns, the closeness to nature, to bodies of water, and also the unique culture of, of our homelands, and also the friendliness of the people, both the Nordic regions and the Caribbean region known for that warm hospitality. So ironically, aside from weather patterns, we do have a lot in common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I want to start this chat by, by your background and in preparation about, you know, what brought you to this industry and what then brought you to Puerto Rico. So I'm first curious about that. Yeah, like so many people in our industry, I never anticipated this would be my career. Uh, actually started in the financial realm with a large U.S.-based company, General Electric, in their manufacturing division. And my first stint really with them was here in Puerto Rico, even though I'd never lived in the Caribbean, really wasn't too familiar with it, and spent a few years learning the financial side of a large manufacturing corporation. I ended up following my mentor uh, to work for a U.K.-based conglomerate, the Rank Organization at that time, that had several holdings in the United States, both in the lodging sector and also they were just beginning to invest and expand at that time, a little known restaurant chain called the Hard Rock Cafe. And ah. there were only a few of those worldwide. Of course, the first one was in London yeah. and it was kind of an intriguing opportunity. And I spent a couple of years working in their financial realm. And then finally got the urge to actually get into the operation. I had never worked in a restaurant. It was kind of a unique opportunity. And they sent me to a destination in South Carolina 
which yeah. is about halfway between New York and Miami called Middle Beach. So that was really my first exposure into the hospitality industry. And it really just, I caught the fever. And I just love the transformative power of travel, how it not only affects people's lives and their dispositions, but also how it shapes progress and nurtures communities to come together in ways that we wouldn't otherwise see them. And so because of that, I really just fell in love with travel and tourism and been in the industry ever since. So you stayed there and then you worked in, in Myrtle Beach for, for some time, right? I did. I, I ran the restaurant there and I actually got involved in the local destination marketing organization. Yeah. Initially as a volunteer leader, I was on their committees, their board of directors, and eventually an opportunity opened up for me to join them. And I did. I was with that organization for almost 20 years. So I got involved in the product planning, uh, as well as the marketing, the sales of the destination. During the time I was there, we doubled tourism from about 11 million visitors to 20 million visitors. But for me, the most important thing was seeing the impact that had on the people and the community. And then a few years ago, the opportunity came for me to come back to Puerto Rico uh, later on in my career, of course, and lead a new organization, Discover Puerto Rico which has a very simple mission, and that is to put the transformative power of travel at work for the people of Puerto Rico. And, and you know this very well from your experience, that when you can broaden your reach and begin to attract uh, visitors who are looking for a unique experience with an elevated strength and destination brand, it's amazing what you can accomplish through this industry. So for me, it's been a, a great run. I've been very, very fortunate to work in multiple destinations and really, really proud of what we've been able to accomplish here in Puerto Rico through the transformative power of travel. And I think what's really exciting about destination marketing and that all the people that work for destination marketing have a really, really deep sense of purpose for that. I think my whole team, you know, does it for the love of their, their city, you know, so that's a, a really powerful motivational factor that that you have in your team. What, what sort of a team do you have now? How many people do you have working? Yeah, so we have a staff of about 60 people. That includes uh, the marketing team, so the digital content creation, the multimedia team, our communications team that are really our outreach outside of Puerto Rico in terms of publicity and promotion. We also have a really talented sales team. So we sell the meetings and convention side, and then we work with trade partners on the leisure side. So all told, a team of about 60 people. And of course, most of our focus is outside of Puerto Rico, particularly in the United States, where most yeah. of our visitors come from. But we do have a solid growing base of travelers in Europe and South America. So we also market and sell the destination there. And, you know, you mentioned something that is so, I think, under-recognized about our industry. And I see it with my team. You see it with yours. And I'm sure we both see it among some of our peers who are operating at high levels is that the people who work for destination marketers have a sense of pride and responsibility because we're, you know, building and nurturing and protecting the brand of the communities and the countries we live in. And that's a real honor and privilege, but also an awesome responsibility. And I think it's a calling really more so than a career for most of us. Yeah, yeah that, that's very, that's very true. And that's why you know, it's always interesting, like if you're working in, in some, you know, manufacturing business or marketing, you know, consumer goods, you see all your competitors as, as some sort of enemies. But in this industry, we learn from each other and we work much more together. And I, I think that's a really nice kind of spirit and atmosphere of this industry as well. Absolutely is. Yeah. 
So what is the situation now in Puerto Rico post-COVID and, and what sort of a crisis was COVID for you guys? Yeah, Puerto Rico has fared really, really well over the past couple of years. Like so many destinations, we were definitely impacted by the COVID pandemic. We took it very seriously here. So our local government officials, our health department were very, very proactive, put in a lot of stringent controls at the time. And you know this as a travel promoter, it's just not in our DNA to not promote and invite people to come. But there was a point in time where we just had to say, this is not the time to visit. It really challenged all of us, I think, in that respect. But, you know, when it comes to travel and tourism, you, you, you've certainly got to be aligned with the local community. And that was one thing that we had to do from the outset. So we felt the impact like everybody else. I think one of the things that was different for us compared to a lot of our peer destinations in the Caribbean and even in the U.S. mainland is we never really stopped promoting. Now, like I said, there yeah. was time where we simply had to say, this is not the time to visit, but, you know, soon enough. And then it was, you know, it was time to plan. And then eventually it was time to visit. And thankfully, when we were able to welcome visitors back, uh, we were able to show substantial growth, even over pre-pandemic levels. So 2020 was not a good year by any stretch of the imagination. But interestingly enough, 2021 ended up being our all-time record year. And 2022 is outdoing 2021. What we learned is by, by being prepared, never really stop promoting, but always being very responsive to the time, to the trends and to the needs of the consumers, we were able to position Puerto Rico to come back strong. And thankfully, 2021 and now 22, more visitors, more spending, and maybe the most important number of all, we've reached record levels of employment in leisure and hospitality. And so we're very encouraged by those numbers. Do you think it was a differentiating factor for you, the fact that you were so responsible with COVID? Do you think that added a new element to your to your brand? It certainly did. I think it challenged us to rethink how we were approaching the brand. And, you know, sometimes when you tell your team, it's okay to make some mistakes, but let's try something new. Let's try something different. Oh, by the way, you have no budget to work with. It really forced everybody to just be uber creative. And the story for us coming out of the pandemic uh, and looking back is really, and, and I think this applies to any crisis you deal with in the travel and tourism industry, is number one, to learn from the experience. We look at every situation of adversity as a learning opportunity. They're not fun to go through. But if you don't learn from your challenges, then you're just likely to repeat them. So we always try to learn from these. And what did we learn from the last crisis that will apply to the next one? From that, we really try to develop solid preparedness plans. Now, of course, you know none of us could have been prepared for what we experienced during COVID. But several years before that, Puerto yeah. Rico had experienced a Zika virus. Not nearly what we saw with yeah, COVID, yeah. but we had a little bit of a little um, bit of practice, yeah, a little bit of practice to prepare for, and our. Yeah. Partners at the Ketchum Agency helped us develop a very robust uh, preparedness plan, which helped immensely. And then I think the other thing that we've done each time we've come through a crisis is we really encourage our team and emphasize that every member of your team has a role during recovery. Now, your role and my role may change during recovery, right? Chances are we're doing things differently or we're doing different things, but everybody has a role. And people don't automatically assume that. So even though, you know, you might be a content creator working on the, you know, the, the mainstream ad campaign prior to the pandemic, now you're charged with helping go out and create new brand building opportunities at a time when people aren't traveling. 
once your team realizes what their role is and we kind of set those guidelines and boundaries, then what it really did is it instilled a sense of innovation and creativity in our industry, uh, within our organization and our local industry. And so I think it really helped not only define the organization, but also help to lay a foundation for a very robust and successful recovery. And of course, you are not a stranger to crisis because the other crisis, of course, that is so interesting for us to hear about is, is how you guys were able to recover after the hurricane. Because, you know, we, we don't have those kind of things. Well, we have 1,350 kilometers of border with Russia. That's, a, that's another hurricane. But how would you describe the process of, of going through that and recovering from that? Yeah. And of course, being in the Caribbean, we have to be prepared for you know, weather events. And, and we certainly, we've had a few to, to prepare from and prepare for. I think one of the lessons learned for us, of course, goes back to preparedness, recognizing what worked and what didn't work in the past, and then building from there. And one of the lessons learned from Puerto Rico from Hurricane Maria, which happened in 2017, was to be much better prepared with power generation and communications. And so earlier this year, we had a storm. But the difference this year is that I was able to call my friends and colleagues on the other side of the island within hours after the storm passed. That would have taken weeks, you know, five years ago after Maria. Uh, the construction standards have improved, so we're building stronger, more sustainable structures, which certainly helps. And then being prepared with things like generators. It seems simple now, but we just simply didn't have enough generators in 2017. And sometimes the generators we had, we didn't have the fuel. I remember this year after the storm, I, I went around driving around just to see the, the status of the destination about 12 hours after the storm had made landfall. And there were only two sounds I could hear. One was the wave rolling in on the ocean and the other was the symphony of generators that had already kicked in and ran. So I think it really comes down again to, to learning from the past and building that into the preparation. The other thing we've strived to do, and I know you and your team do this all the time, is we want to be a trusted resource uh, for media, for visitors, for meeting planners who want to know the status of the destination and whether they have plans to come or they're thinking about coming in the future. They're looking for accurate, timely information that's that's real, it's it's verifiable. And it's easily attainable. And we wanted to be that trusted resource. So we really challenged ourselves to not to, to write stories about it. The media, we're going to do that. But we wanted to be a trusted resource for any and all information as it relates to travel and tourism coming from Puerto Rico. And I think what that did is it built up a lot of credibility with our stakeholders on island and off island. It also really put us to the test to constantly be looking for new information and updating the information we had. And out of that came some really, really solid innovation. For example, our team this past storm created a product tracker where literally within a day or two, you could look and not just see the status of the island, but specific hotels and properties. And so it's that kind of innovative spirit that I think has really helped define our recovery mode. And as a result, here we are just a few weeks later and we're already back to pre-storm numbers. So. If you plan and execute that plan well, can recover quickly, and there's a lot to learn from in doing so. So basically what you're saying is, is being prepared and, and really being good at communication. So basically, you know, the old saying that says, you know, when everything else fails, try telling the truth. 
really applies. You know, you you just simply cannot over-communicate in a crisis or recovery. There's times I've found myself, especially during the pandemic, restating the same information over and over. But I found that maybe because we were being bombarded with information, maybe it's because it was such a challenging, confusing time. But as a leader, you really can't over-communicate that core elements of information and values and what people need to know. And even if you think you're over-communicating it, you're probably not. So being transparent, being accurate, being timely, and then over-communicating or at least striving to. Yeah, and also being prepared. I mean, we don't have hurricanes, but we just had last week about one one feet and a half of snow in one day, which is actually a, a kind of a weather that I've been to New York and there's not a single flight going, there's not a single car going. But here, you know, everything was working. The tr- The airports were clean, the roads were clean, you know, people were going to school. So... It's all about being prepared, you know. It's uh, it really is, and I think that preparation is very liberating. Once you and your team realize that you can not just endure a crisis, but you can come through it better, stronger, and better prepared for the future, that's a very encouraging, uplifting, liberating feeling for all of us. So this kind of thing about being close to nature, how does that show in your marketing, or maybe also in your thinking about sustainability? Yeah, it's so incredibly important for us at the destination because we're blessed with such great natural resources, but also recognizing the importance of sustainability and not just promoting what we have, but protecting what we have. And I think for us, what's been really interesting in Puerto Rico is if you're coming to the Caribbean, you you know, we have beautiful beaches. There's, there's, you know, nobody's surprised to hear that. What they might not realize is we also have some really beautiful natural treasures, three of the world's five bioluminescent bays, the only tropical rainforest in the U.S. Forest Service system. So for us, it's been an opportunity to not just promote sun and sand, but some of those unique experiences that you might not expect coming to the Caribbean. And what's really been special is being able to tie those in to the local history and culture and the significance of that. During the pandemic, one of the things that our team did, which was an astounding success, was a video series by our in-house multimedia team. We even had our staff as the talent in front of the camera. It's called Sounds Like Puerto Rico. And it was a journey through the island using the unique sounds as your guide. So the visuals we use in tourism were very visual. And a lot of times, you know, we promote the taste, the gastronomy. But in this case, we were really talking about the unique sounds of Puerto Rico and the ties that have to nature and to our history and culture. So whether it was the beautiful symphony of coquis singing in the tropical rainforest or the sounds of the surf or some of the unique words that come from our cultural heritage, which of course stems from our African, Spanish, and Taino Native American origins. All of that really blended into a unique promotion that was not only successful at telling the story of Puerto Rico's history and culture, but also opening up that unique and very special connection that we have with our precious natural assets. And I think that makes all of us as promoters uniquely qualified to tell that story when we can connect the nature and the culture and the history and present it in such a beautiful way, whether it's the gorgeous snowfalls and and the history and culture from the Nordic region or, you know, the, the rainforest, the bio bays and the beaches here in the Caribbean. Those are unique connections that we cherish and others relish. And so it gives us a great opportunity to position our destinations in a special way. And we also see that there's a new generation coming up who is very, very interested in these issues. And 
and they might not have been discussed so much in the last 10 years, but now everything that has to do with sustainability is really a, a growing concern and, and something that travelers are interested in. They, they certainly are. And as much as, you know, sometimes we talk about the younger generations and the challenges they bring, yeah. I think the younger generation is really reminding all of us that we have a responsibility to protect these natural assets, but also we're finding a lot of success in targeting travelers who are really committed to regenerative travel. They want to leave a destination better than they found it. And for us, that sustainability theme extends beyond Mother Nature and also into the cultural assets of the destination, really protecting those special historical and cultural assets that help make our destination so unique. And I think we have to be thankful to the younger generation because they're certainly establishing that as not just an expectation or a norm, but something we should all be committed to in our core values as organizations and as leaders. And so it might be challenging some of us to think and act differently, but certainly in a very positive, productive way. I think we who have been working for a longer time and weren't introduced to these these issues in our junior years, we definitely have lots to learn from and also about the social aspects, which is which is very, very important to all of us. Yeah. Well, these were my questions. And Brad, uh, definitely welcome to the Nordics. And uh, whenever you get to do this from your bucket list, you know, let us know and we will organize something fun for I you. I look to forward to that. I look forward and meeting you in person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much, Carice. They were great questions. And, and thank you, Brad, for giving us your time today. I'm sure that everybody listening will have taken away many ideas for their own strategic planning and implementation of their place brand and marketing strategy. I look forward to welcoming you back for episode 14, Brad, and we look forward to setting that conversation up. But for now, thank you everybody for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Place to Place podcast.